Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today we are reviewing The Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu, The Book of the Way. Mate, it's a very old book, two and a half thousand years old, and it's just 81 short verses. You know, it's a paragraph each, and man, it does it expand your mind or what? Oh, 100%. It would only take you less than two hours to read, but probably a full lifetime to yes. get your head around. It's some wild, wild, wise shit by Big Lao and it's influenced a lot of the Eastern world since it was written. Mate, I like that a lot. An hour to read, a lifetime to understand. That was uh, that was good. That man. was on the spot, man. That's, like- a, that's an AJ quote. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one, man. <laughs> so, as we said, there's 81 short, you know, single paragraph verses. And what we're going to do is we're going to we've, we've picked our top six. We're going to read out the verse and then interpret it. So the book, from a very high level, it pre- it presents a paradigm of non-action, right? And he said and he says it's the most effective form of action, which is kind of counterintuitive and paradoxical. But he says less and less do you need to force things until you finally arrive at non-action. When nothing is done, nothing is left undone. So, you know, mm. another way of saying it is just letting the universe do what the universe is doing and you just like let life flow through you rather than forcefully try and change things to make things your own way. That's deep, man. And that's what this, this book is all about. Let's get stuck into our first favorite verse, verse number nine. Verse nine, fill your bowl to the brim and it will spill. Keep sharpening your knife and it will blunt. Chase after money and security, and your heart will never unclench. Care about people's approval, and you will be their prisoner. Do your work, then step back. The only path to serenity. Fill your bowl to the brim, and it will spill. Keep sharpening your knife, and it will blunt. I think that's a way of saying, mate, if you try to do everything, you're going to end up stuffing something up. So trying to do everything, it's going to come at the cost of doing it well. Mm, 100%. If you think of like some other books we've done, like Essentialism, uh, it's all about cutting things so there's less in your life and there's more clarity. If you keep bringing more and more and more things in your life and more and more busyness, you might think you're going to become get more shit done, but really you're going to become less and less effect- effective. I think there could also be a comment on perfectionism there. You can't like if you once your knife's sharp, it's sharp. If you keep sharpening it, you're eventually it's going to go back and become less sharp, or you're going to run out of knife. So I think it's saying that once you know once you get it sharp, leave it there. Don't keep trying to over sharpen it. Another comment from this passage is chase after money and security and your heart will never unclench. I think it's a commentary on something we've talked about before, like hedonic adaptation. Mm, hedonic adaptation is one of the biggest pains in the ass of the world, but it's something we all have to deal with. You know, It's this idea that we think right now, whatever position you're in, if you get that hundred grand and you get that sports car or something, you're going to be happier which might be the case, but for a very short term. So, hedonic adaptation means you adapt to whatever you buy. So, all of a sudden, you've adapted to the $100,000 sports car. So, then you want a $200,000 sports car. And when you get that, you want a $500,000. And then it's kind of like a treadmill, like this Mm. hedonic treadmill. Once you're on it, it never stops because you always want that thing that's that little bit better. And in this case, they're saying your heart will never unclench. Yeah, it's like at work if you get a, a pay rise where currently you're on the amount of pay you're currently on and you spend everything you earn and you think, oh, if I got more money, then I'd, I'd save more money. And then you get a pay rise and you think, oh, I've got a bit of extra money. Maybe I'll <laughs> eat out once more each week or maybe I'll go to the movies every week. And very quickly, you start spending as much as you earn, which is even higher than last time. You think, oh, if only I could get a pay rise, it'd be all better. But 
each time you do, you keep adapting higher and higher. I remember being at university and going out for nice dinners was a luxury. But as soon as you start work and you get a few pay rises, all of a sudden that becomes the necessity because yeah. you've adapted to you know, going out for nice dinners as your bare minimum. Definitely, man. Another line from this, care about other people's approval and you'll be their prisoner. So, if you're always looking for external validation, if you're always looking to please somebody else, then you're at the mercy of them. You're doing everything you do is thinking, am I going to please this person or not? And you're never doing it just for yourself and you're always in their hands or you're always their prisoner. Yeah. This is the book of the way and if you're going to follow whatever the way is, whatever you're meant to be, there might be other people out there who don't really like the way that you're meant, your way is meant to be, so to speak. And you know where this is covered pretty well, I think, is by Tim Ferriss in 4-Hour Workweek. He says, never ask for, for never ask for permission, ask for forgiveness later. So, just do whatever you're meant to do and then kind of correct course at a later date. Yeah. And we should note that you know we're bringing in all these books. Obviously, these books are pretty much all written after um, Lao Tzu's time of 500 BC, but this is just where we're seeing these same themes pop up again and again. So, it's sort of like these are just these themes that are all around us that obviously seem to make a lot of sense if all these different people are talking about it in so many different contexts. Verse 24. He who stands on tiptoe doesn't stand firm. He who rushes ahead doesn't go far. He who tries to shine dims his own light. He who defines himself can't know who he really is. He who has the power over others can't empower himself. He who clings to his work will create nothing that endures. If you want to accord with the Tao, just do your job, then let go. He says, he who rushes ahead cannot go far. And I read online, there's another translation, he who strides cannot walk. He who strides cannot walk. I think it's like saying that, obviously, if you, say if you wanted to walk to the other side of the country, if you sprint, you're not going to go very far. I think it's... You know, and the same as, you know, he who stands on tiptoe doesn't stand firmly. If you're trying to stretch and do as much as possible and always try to go that extra bit further, you're probably going to run out of steam at some point. Yeah, I like it. Another way you can really interpret it is, you know, there's this idea of the uh, we've covered before is the fisherman story. Mm. So a lot of us in the Western world, we're really rushing and working so hard to eventually get rich or get money so we're financially free. And then one day when we're financially free, we might just hang out you know, go surfing and do all these things. But a lot of the things we want to do when we're rich, we can do right now. So paradoxically, by trying so hard to work and make a better future, we are actually um, counterproductively not living a better life because we can do all the good shit right now we want to do anyway. Yeah, exactly. We're thinking that if we rush and if we do more and achieve more and go quicker and get to our ultimate goal of relaxing by the beach... We're probably never going to get there when we could just realize that we don't need to go on our tiptoes. We don't need to sprint. We don't need to rush ahead. We could actually get what we want right now. Another he says is he who tries to shine dims his own light. So when I hear that, man, I immediately think of a big bodybuilder in the gym who's Mm. trying so hard to impress everyone else with big muscles. So people think that, you know, this person's masculine and powerful and everything. But in reality, in trying to shine so much, his actual light is dimmed because it just reeks of insecurity. Yeah. I think if people see through that, yeah, if people see that you're trying so hard to shine, then that does dim Same your light. Same with tattoos and all that yeah. kind of stuff, man. 
And oh, yeah. I, I think we're segregated a lot of our audience because a lot of people got tats and go to the gym out there. <laughs> Probably pissed a few people off on that one. I think you can get tats and you can go to the gym, but it's uh, if you're trying too hard just to shine your own light, people will see through that and realize that you're actually pretty pretty dim. It's kind of saying just be humble, right? Yes. Be humble. Yeah, exactly. Another one he says, he who defines himself can't know who he really is. Mm, if you put yourself in a little box and say, this is me, you're closing yourself off to a lot more. Yeah, when I... I think about like the people who travel, go through India looking for themselves. Ironically, they're the most lost people on the planet, I think. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Another line, he who clings to his work will create nothing that endures. Now, the thing that it sparked in my mind there that endures, thinking like Perennial Seller, a book we did. And so I was thinking if you're clinging to your own work, if you're keeping it to yourself, you're not really getting it out into the world. And in Perennial Cell, he talks about it. it's that interaction with the real world that actually allows you to make your work better. So if you're clinging to your own work and not putting it out into the world, you're never actually going to make anything that can be perennial, nothing that can be um, endures in Lao Tzu's words, saying that you need to let go of this perfectionism and let go of this sense that it's all for yourself and get it out into the world so you can make it better. Yeah, that's it. It's uh, this idea of perfectionism. If you're waiting until... If you're clinging to such a perfect outcome, ironically, you won't be able to take mm. off the armor and show the vulnerability needed to actually put push shit out into the into the marketplace and so forth. I don't think Lau was talking uh, through the paradigm of the marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit that's, of our commentary that's there. A, that's a 21st century interpretation. So again, this idea of clinging to an, an outcome and identity, and it's another theme that comes up in another book I really like was the finite and infinite games. So finite games, people who uh, play within these boundaries of these predefined roles, so say whether you're an engineer or lawyer or whatever. So if you cling to this outcome, then you will never be able to drop the veal and then spread out. So your boundaries are really well defined to what you can be. Whereas if you play an infinite game and you aren't uh, defined by these these uh, professions and so forth, then you know your horizons are much greater and you can have a bigger impact on the world and so forth. Now, a book that I read, uh, so I read, obviously, The Tao Te Ching, which was the 81 verses, but then I also had to read Wayne Dyer's book called Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, which is what he did where he went through each verse and did like four pages of his interpretation of it because obviously that, that helped. And one of his things was saying that for him, this chapter, this verse was all about shifting from expectation to appreciation. And it's come up a lot on the podcast before is that Things like gratitude turns what you've got into enough. So if you're always striving for more, you're really never going to get it. But if you can have some appreciation, have some gratitude. And one of at the end of each chapter from Wayne Dyer, he had like an action to do. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, do something that expresses your kindness to someone who will be totally surprised by your actions. So a few examples could be email someone expressing your appreciation, call a grandparent who may be feeling lonely in an assisted living facility, send flowers to a loved one or even to a stranger. And he's saying that note that gratitude for another truly nurtures your own Tao path and not your ego. So you're not doing this for yourself, you're doing this for somebody else. And Wayne said that's obviously the way to live. Yes, and even though you're doing it for yourself, a Dalai Lama quote is something like, if you want others to be happy, practice compassion. And if you want to be happy, practice compassion. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. ironically, by doing good stuff for other people, you're doing even better shit for yourself. Yeah, and... Um, Dan Heath talked about that in our interview about the power of moments as well, that doing something, even though it's completely for someone else, it really does you know, rebound back onto you and it has a very long-lasting 
effect on your overall well-being as well as theirs, obviously. Passage 56. Those who know don't talk. Those who talk don't know. Close your mouth. Block off your senses. Blunt your sharpness. Untie your knots. Soften your glare. Settle your dust. This is the primal identity. Those who know don't talk and those who talk don't know. I like that a lot. I actually, I accidentally said this in an unrelated conversation that the person who talks the most doesn't necessarily have the most to say. Now, I thought it was a pretty uh, deep Wait. thing. Obviously, the tower was, was deep within me on that day. But I, You I just like came it. up with that line. That's an Adam Ashen quote. It was an accidental one that... Mate, we're, it, we're just pulling out quotes today. <laughs> it's fantastic. It was just uh, in convo. I thought I need to make, make note of this. Uh, I did literally had just read this book and so probably hadn't you know it was it probably says those me, i'd but... say it says those exact words yeah. somewhere <laughs> no nah, it doesn't man it doesn't <laughs> it does no nah, i just if you google them it's going to come up real loud not out of national sorry mate <laughs> google it it's, it's a it is an important one that just because the you know the loudest strongest uh most commanding voice isn't necessarily the person who actually knows what they're talking about and one of the things it it's, it's popped up previously in 48 laws of power law four always say less than necessary yeah. and he's got a really good quote here which is applicable to here the human tongue is a beast few can master it strains constantly to break out of its cage and if it is not tamed it will run wild and cause you grief mate the people who are out there just blabbering on and blabbering on and blabbering on they're just they're just weak aren't they correct they're never going to have power and they don't necessarily know and they're never going to learn anything yeah. how can you learn if you're just if always, you're always talking if you're always talking that's it mate i just made sure i was talking over the top of you there just <laughs> just to emphasize that point and he talks about that just because somebody is loud and just because somebody is is dominant you should really question you know who you view as wise or who you view as as knowledgeable because it probably isn't that person it's not the person with the loudest megaphone or it's not the you know, the the person who's necessarily the boss at the top of the organization who has the most, you know, command over what people think. It's probably somebody else, somebody a little more reserved, a little quieter who truly does know and doesn't have to talk about it to prove that they know. Mm. Those people who have got the full cup and they're, they're not really open to new things and they're very certain that they know everything, you know, they're much better at holding up bullshit. And if they're even smarter they're even better at reasoning why their bullshit is true. So, you know, the smart people who are extremely certain, they're probably the least wise out there because they're not taking in the new data in the world mm. objectively. Yeah, that's the next part of it as well, is it saying, and it comes up in a lot of books, you know, seek to understand before being understood um, and things along those lines that it's, you need to truly listen first before you talk because that's where you're going to get the most information not by you constantly talking, but you, by you genuinely and openly listening to the other people. Verse 63. Act without doing. Work without effort. Think of the small as large and the few as many. Confront the difficult while it is still easy. Accomplish a great task by a series of small acts. The master never reaches for the great, Thus, she achieves greatness. When she runs into a difficulty, she stops and gives herself to it. She doesn't cling to her own comfort, thus problems are no problem for her. Act without doing, work without effort. I think that's a real roundhouse sidekick straight to the head, that one. You know, those six words pack a serious, serious punch. 
act without doing work without effort. Yeah, it's just, it definitely is. And it was now that I think of it on the on the fly, mate. Forty eight laws of power. One of the rules was make your achievements seem effortless. <laughs> so but that's, that's kind of a bullshit in the way. I think he's borrowed. He's definitely borrowed this, though. Yeah, one hundred percent. So the um, mate, where I go with this, right? So say if you you're doing something, no matter what you're doing, you're doing something, right? Yeah. So it isn't immediately obvious why, say, hanging on the beach is more relaxing than work. Work's stressful as hell, but you want to be hanging on the beach, right? But if you're doing what you're meant to be doing, like following your dharma or whatever, if you're meant to be doing this work, then that's what you're meant to be doing. So it's not stressful. Mm. And in this case, if you're on the beach because that's not what you're meant to be doing, then that's stressful. So I think it's saying if you're doing what you're meant to be doing, then uh, then life, life shouldn't be so stressful. And almost that stress is a proxy for how much you're following your tower. Yes. I think on a more uh, more realistic level, like say if, you, if you're at work and you want to go to the beach, look outside, the sun's out, and you think, you know what, I'm just going to take the afternoon off and go to the beach – the beach is going to be stressful because you're going to be thinking about the work that you just skipped out on. If you're doing your good work. <clears throat> Whereas if you go to the beach on the weekend because the beach is what you're meant to be doing, you're not going to be stressed about work. So, yeah. I like it. You did bring it home. Yeah. <laughs> you did bring it home. But I think it's, um, yeah, if you're doing what you're meant to be doing, then it shouldn't feel like work. Yes. Is that what he's getting at? I think so. I like it. I don't know, mate. Well, there's no answers here. There's a lot of questions. Bit of a narrative though, fallacy good. in this one. Yeah. The next part, think... Of the small as large and the few as many, confront the difficult whilst they are, are easy. I think that's an important one. If if you can sense something's brewing, knock it on the head early. Don't wait until it's a big problem before you try to tackle it because it's going to be much harder later and much easier if you get to it right now. Yeah, it reminds me of Jordan Peterson. Be precise in your speech. I mean, if there's something festering... <laughs> Man, I like that you be precise in your speech just as your voice broke. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's um, I'm still I'm still growing up, which is good. But uh, be precise in your speech. If something unconscious is there between a relationship you have, or you know, if something is unspoken of but it's festering, just mm. spell it out, articulate exactly what's going down, and then confront whatever chaos is festering below the scenes, and then you can bring some order to it. And then he can knock it out of the park and then he'll be better off for it. Yeah, he talked about that story of the the dragon and how the kid that saw the dragon and the mum said, no, there's no dragon. And the dragon kept growing, kept growing. The mum kept ignoring it. And it wasn't until they acknowledged that the dragon was there that it started to shrink again. Another one is accomplish the great task by a series of small tasks. The master never reaches for the great, thus she achieves greatness. Yeah, just break down big tasks into small tasks. I think that's one of the more... Um, literal ones here and that obviously if you look at a big goal and you think this is so hard it's, it looks impossible to try and do this big goal but if you break that down into 20 small steps it's much more achievable yeah to be a master to achieve great things it always comes down to the little things it comes down to the small habits you instill in every day you know getting good sleep eating the right food all these really small things are the ones that are going to help you achieve the big papa papa task and, and make you a master I like it when she turns it into a difficulty, she stops and gives herself to it. She doesn't cling to her own comfort. That's problems are no problem for her. I like that clinging to comfort bit that's saying if if you get outside your comfort zone and start to do things that are less comfortable on more regular occasions, then people what people most usual people see as big problems aren't a problem for you because you've exposed yourself to some of these uncomfortable things in the past. So this whole idea of the comfort zone, it comes up from a few different angles. 
I mean, Tony Robbins says, if you want to achieve greatness, you really need to be working for something bigger than yourself. Because if you're only working for yourself, whenever some some kind of risk comes to your ego, it's going to always be much easier to stay in your comfort zone. Because if you, the person, goes out the comfort zone, it's a bit more risky. But if you're doing it for the sense of the greater good, then it's really easy to wander out of your comfort zone because it doesn't matter what happens to you because you're mm. serving your dharma, your purpose, something that's actually bigger than yourself. So, you know, it might be if you've got this big goal in your life or your career or something, if you want to achieve this big goal to make the world better or something, all of a sudden public speaking or something uncomfortable like that is an absolute piece of piss because you know that this little bit of discomfort is necessary for for the longer journey that you're on. Passage 65. The ancient masters didn't try to educate the people, but kindly taught them to not know. When they think that they know the answers, people are difficult to guide. When they know that they don't know, people can find their own way. From some other books we've done about learning and developing new skills, all our skill development seems to go in this curve starting at unconscious incompetence, meaning you don't know that you don't know, and then it moves to conscious incompetence, so then you know that you don't know, and then it moves to conscious competence, so you know that you know, and then unconscious competence, meaning that you don't know that you know. So it's a long-winded way of saying that the masters are teaching people that they don't know because the, the hardest person to teach is someone who thinks that they know everything. So it's saying that you need to start at this you know, that you don't know that you don't know and realize that, look, we're, you know, a bit of an empty cup approach. We're all this empty cup and there's so much that we could learn and so much that we could do. And if you think you know all the answers, then you, you're very difficult to guide. Oh, that was a that was a ripper, man. I don't know where you pulled that one from. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that, that very end, you could almost say that's the master. It's like the unconscious competence is the yeah. master. And the way, the level up the ladder to get to that point, at some stage, you have to know that you don't know. Hmm. So it's kind of teaching people, no, you know jack shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you really think about it, man, around the world at the moment, you know, you've got all these different brands of science, quantum physics, all of history, consciousness. You know, even the hum- human race, uh, out of all the knowledge we have right now, there's so many things we don't know. So you as an individual, really, you know jack shit. And if you think that you know stuff, then you're really... You're never going to learn, are you? You're going to even know less... You can even know less when you get as you develop. Yes, yes. I think that's what uh, I think we even talked about it last week with the twenty-one lessons for the twenty-first century. That the more we learn as a as a population, as a as a whole race, that as a whole society, the less we actually know. Because say that you know we used to just see what we saw around us, and then when you get a microscope, and then you see a tiny little things moving around in underneath a microscope. By learning that there's these smaller things going on that we can't even see with the naked eye, that opens up whole new doors of things that we don't know. So every time we learn something new, there's a whole much, you know, there's 10x more that we don't know then. So if you always think that you know something, you're never going to learn. And I think it's also ties into a lot of books you've done about the power of questions and always being open and always wanting to ask questions rather than trying to find the right answers. Mm. And if you think about the scientific method, Back in the day, you know, how much development that spurred up because all of a sudden you could falsify people's bullshit, right, through the scientific theory and that's how we've developed so much since then. Um, if you bring it back down to, say, the level of just a graduate, say you got a grad, got six scores through university, 
rocks up to their first job thinking they know it all, they're going to be the less green and less easy to mold and teach the, the best kind of strategies to help them have a really good career. Verse 74. If you realize that all things change, there is nothing you will try to hold on to. If you aren't afraid of dying, there is nothing you can't achieve. Trying to control the future is like trying to take the master carpenter's place. When you handle the master carpenter's tools, chances are that you'll cut your hand. Wow. That's a, that's a banger. When you handle the master carpenter's tools, chances are you'll cut your hand. I think you're saying when you go against what you're meant to be doing, you'll probably probably fuck it up. And for me, I think it's quite literal, right? Like, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not meant to be a, a master carpenter around the house. I suck with tools. If I grabbed a tool and tried to get a, a circular saw or something start cutting timber, I'll probably literally cut my hand. <laughs> that is a very literal interpretation, yeah. It's not what I'm meant to be doing. So, quite literal but metaphorical as well. Yeah, I think it's also... Uh, I think it's also that if you're at the very start, if you're not a master, if you're at the very start of your journey towards knowledge or along the Tao Te Ching, I think it's saying that you can't just jump to the level of the master. If you think, oh yeah, actually I'm the master now, I can go straight to the top level and I can start using the master carpenter's tools, you're not ready for it. Because you're just a beginner, you're just at the start of the journey, you, you can't handle the master carpenter's tools and that's when you're going to cut your hand by trying to wield the power that you haven't yet developed. Maybe this is a little bit off tangent, but I remember hearing a quote by Carl Jung or one of those powerhouse psychologists, and it was on the topic of people taking uh, drugs like acid or something. <laughs> Maybe lost. And he said, uh, people should be weary of wisdom they didn't earn. Ooh, yes. So when people take acid and they go on a trip, and they might actually get That's some wild data about the world. But, you know, it's wisdom they didn't earn, so they're probably going to go psycho and uh, really hurt themselves. Yeah, well, there you go, mate. If you haven't earned the right to become a master and use the master carpenter's tools and you shouldn't be because that's when you're going to cut your hand. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I was worried where that was going, but no, I, was, I can see that. So, yeah, you should be doing the stuff you're meant to do. And it even comes up with, uh, you know, effective executive where one of the habits that uh, Peter Drucker recommends is making your strength productive. So, if you've got weaknesses, don't try and bolster up the areas mm. of your life that you're weak. Find what you're actually good at and then focus on that and then spend all your time just doing the things that you're good at. That's it. If you're a, if you're a carpenter, don't worry about whipping the calculator out. And if you're, an, if you're an accountant, don't worry about getting that circular saw out. I think using whatever your strengths are, focus on those strengths rather than trying to fix your weaknesses. Another one, if you realize that all things change, there is nothing you will try and hold on to. Yeah, you shouldn't be trying to hold on to the past because everything's changing. This world is in constant flux and constant change. And I forget which book it is. You can probably remind me, but it was like the, the metaphor of the log versus the rock in the flowing river. So if if you think, you know, the, the river of, of life, everything is constantly changing. The river's constantly flowing. If you think, you know, I'm going to be a, a rock, I'm going to sink to the bottom of this river and not change. I don't want anything to change. Really, you're getting smashed by this river that's flowing around you. Whereas if you realize and, you know, let go and realize that everything's going to change and just go with the flow, you're the log that's floating on top of the river. Nothing's really hurting you. You're just going with the flow. You're flowing with the river and it's all good. Matt, I remember the book. Poke the box? Poke the box. Yeah. <laughs> Halfway through that, I realized. I'm surprised that. you didn't remember that one. So yeah, <laughs> don't be the rock um, and just trying to deny change. Realize that everything's going to change. Don't try to hang on to the past and just be the log and flow down that river. It's a massive theme in Buddhism as well. 
you know, everything is going to pass. So your yeah. relationships, your job, um, your dog's life, and even your mm. life, unfortunately, every single thing around you at the moment is going to pass and end. And realizing and really deeply understanding that everything is going to end when it's time to end, you can much more easily just let go of it, let it pass. You get dumped by your boyfriend or your missus. Uh, it's past. It's done. <laughs> you get over it quickly. You just don't hang, hold on to shit for the rest of your life and uh, have this you know, unnecessary suffering. Yeah. I think a nice thing to cap this section and cap this episode off is bring in the life in half a second. A book written in the very, very, very early days of this podcast that's saying if you scale down the whole history of the universe into one year, then a single human's life on that registers less than half a second and saying that everybody's got this countdown on their lives. But he says the tragedy isn't that we only have half a second. The tragedy is that we waste it. So by always thinking, trying to hold on to the past, we're thinking that you know we want things to always be the same. We're wasting this half a second rather than thinking, I'm going to go with the flow here. I'm going to do what comes naturally. I'm going to follow the Tao Te Ching and I'm going to go with it and not waste this half a second. That's a very beautiful way to uh, to wrap up the book from a... Obviously, one of the wisest books of all time, if it's been around for over two and a half thousand years, it's obviously got some some serious, serious wisdom in there. And we've only, what, covered eight out of... Six out of the 81. Six out of yeah. 81. Man, it's a winner. It was an eye-opener, uh, real punch in the face. Like I'd say there was at least 20 of these 81 sections that I read and had to put the book down and stop just because I'd been my mind had been blown wide open and just had to think about life for a bit. It's a powerful one in such a short amount of words. So if you really like books like the Tao Te Ching, what we've done is we've filtered all of our best content of the 200 or so episodes down into the 10 episodes that are most relevant to what you're interested in. Yes. If you're new to the podcast or if you're looking for some of a bit of a best of based on your needs, the current feed is obviously all over the shop because we like to go pretty wide. But what we've done is we filtered down to our best 8 to 10 episodes based on your individual goals, whether it might be understanding yourself and the universe or it might be starting or growing a business or it could be developing your career. Or if you want to get a big firecracker put up your ass and be inspired and motivated from those kind of books, head to whatyouwillearn.com slash email. 